Hello, one and all, and welcome to the latest episode of the Huddersfield Town Social. The usuals are in. I'm Graham Mara, Campo, and Gascale. So join me as well as Mr. Nick Parlow, who's still fearful of running around naked around Huddersfield sometime in 2021, COVID dependent. And another new debut. I think we're well into the 20s now. People who've actually turned up on this podcast. Welcome, Damo Wales, for your debut. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be accommodating. Don't mind Cam. He's, he used to be a referee. He's a bit wary. Be, be a bit wary of him. Um, it's been a good, I say a good week for this little town, but we're, we're unbeaten in two, and that's not happened for quite a long time. Still, only the one win in, in 15, but um, we'll go on to Birmingham a little bit later on, late, later on in the piece, but we'll, we'll start with Friday night's performance against Cardiff, and uh, a Cardiff team that have been high-flying under Mick McCarthy, and a nil-nil performance which showed a little bit more resilience than we've seen in Huddersfield Town. Uh, more importantly, confidence for Ryan Schofield, a, a clean sheet. You could say it's probably two points dropped as well with a yet another penalty miss. But Cam, you down there on, on Friday night doing a little bit of commentary. Uh, how was the atmosphere on the pitch? I can't say in the stands because it's, it's actually a year since any any Huddersfield Town fans were in the ground. But um, shocking anniversary. But how was the atmosphere in the stands and... and our Devo and uh, uh, Phil, were they giving the referee good bollocking? Uh, noisy, noisy. Uh, certainly a passion. You can certainly give him credit for that. Um, it was a lot less cagey on Friday night than it was in uh, midweek, and we'll get on to that. But it was actually a nice atmosphere to be uh, involved in. You could sort of tell after the first 10 minutes when both teams had settled down into a rhythm, but Town were easily going to give as good as they got. Um, that was the fear factor dealt with quite early on. Obviously, a big milestone for Mick McCarthy as well in his, uh, in his thousandth game. And I think that the first 15 minutes, as I was on commentary, I was sort of hoping that town would bed in well. Uh, and they certainly did. I mean, how often is it that we can talk about an unbeaten week? And we saw a very positive draw and probably a quite negative draw. Um, but it's not often one we get to look back on. And, and I was really looking forward to coming on this podcast as a result, to be honest, because, again, it's uh, it is quite a rarity. And not, not only because we've finally got a penalty decision that we can all agree on, um, but mainly because me and the Liverpool sports team lost the company's main in-house podcast award to the Filipino branches basketball show this week. So I'm uh, mightily pissed with that. I've got fire in my belly. And it was nice to talk about a positive result. So looking at Cardiff, I mean, luckily... Bar one momentary mishap late on, I thought that Ryan Schofield led from the back quite well. Uh, and that was what I was looking for mostly, first and foremost. Uh, town responding well after midweek. It's been a difficult week for Ryan Schofield. And I wasn't sure how he would uh, how it would pan out putting him in front of the cameras. Um, I thought that was a bold move. It could have backfired on us. And I thought, OK, it's ninth minute. He allowed himself to get bullied by Sean Morrison. But great save to parry from Bokes in the first half away from danger. Um, really needed that. And, and, and Schofield was only one of the pluses. There was many of them. We'll go on to discuss Carlos's tactical approach uh, in more depth in a, in a moment. But for my money, he got it more or less spot on um, this Friday. We looked more and more positive throughout. And that was buoyed by the fact that Yaya Sanogo, despite the obvious, I thought had, an, had a great game. You know, a really encouraging display. He gave us, crucially, something to aim at upfield. He put his presence to good use. He won his fair share of knockdowns for Fraser Campbell. That gave us another dimension going forward. He worked well between the lines. Thoroughly look forward to seeing more of him, just perhaps not from uh, 12 yards. Um, but Cardiff are renowned for their physicality and the danger they pose from set pieces. And, and we and we countered that really well. Um, a great start. I'm going to steal off Stephen Chicken, so I'll give him credit for it. It's only fair. At seven out of nine aerial battles, Town won uh, in their own penalty area as well. Um, they're such a large side. You look at Aidan Flint and Morrison, 
um, getting forward and looking to cause its problems in town, as we're probably going to say, were the better side. So, you know, perhaps it is two points dropped on balance. Everyone in this podcast, I'm sure, would have taken a point uh, kickoff looking how the game panned out. I was sure that Fraser Campbell would hit the back of the net um, with that chance later on. Um, yeah, OK, we could have won it, but and we look at results for Coventry, etc., and we think, OK, that keeps the pressure on us. But our home form is strong. If anything, keeps us in the division. Uh, it is that. Uh, and I was impressed with it. Um, more credit has to go out, I think, to Alex Vallejo and the steam performance from him as well. And I thoroughly advocate his extension of his stay in Uddersfield. I thought it was collective, uh, collected, incisive, uh, thought, forward thinking in the engine room. OK, he's no Aaron Moy, but he gives us that option in the middle of the park to transition between defence and midfield. Um, and yeah, I could dish out phrase to a few um, individuals, to be honest, but the star of the show for me, again, was Aaron Moy. Exactly in the right area of the pitch, but a penalty. I thought he tracked back well um, as well down the right. Always wanted to get on the ball. He never shied away from taking his chance. Wasn't overly enthused with people uh, played down the left. That was the downside to the shape. But no, if that's uh, the crop of uh, if that's the if that's the talent of the young man coming through, I'm really buoyed by that. Uh, unfortunately, okay, um, the one downside because it can't all be positive, especially on this podcast. We've got to uh, we've got to say that. A couple of individual errors we could have been punished again. We could have been punished for if Cardiff were, were playing as Cardiff do. Um, Romani Evans Green in the first half getting caught in possession by Murphy and Nabi Starr getting caught in possession with the header after 10 minutes from Keith Moore. I'm looking at you. But to be honest, it's very hard. It's very hard not to say that, that was an encouraging performance. And yet, again, the most crucial stat we can bring from that is it's one point closer to safety. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a very pragmatic performance. I think it's probably the best word. I can think of. Um, I mean, I would I would point out if you open the dictionary and look at the word pragmatic, there's a picture of Danny Cowley, which is ironic. Um, it was very much a, a, a defence first performance for me. Um, we were much more direct, which is no great surprise with Sonogo in the team. But I thought we actually mixed it up in fairness. I don't think it was a default route one uh, performance. I thought the first half was a little dull. You know, by the Schofield save, I don't think there was much in the game either way. Um, but in the second half, we were definitely the better team and we created some really good chances. You know, Keogh had a header from a free kick. The obvious one, the penalty. Um, you know, the one, uh, the peeper chance where, uh, the, and I think it was Lewis O'Brien that played the through ball to him, which was, you know, was, was a fabulous ball. And a left footer would probably have finished that. Uh, and the Campbell chance, which I just, I, I don't understand how he got underneath it. But, you know, that's another one really. So... Cardiff did the usual. They played for set pieces. They were big and they were strong. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Cam. I thought the back four coped well. Schofield was, he looked a little wobbly, but you know, when you've got Sean Morrison's arm in your face, it's difficult to, to stand your ground. Um, I thought Saar played quite well, actually. I thought he led the back four and he made that one mistake, but he coped really well with the aerial threat. Um, I thought Aaron Rowe and Lewis O'Brien linked up, linked up brilliantly down the left-hand side. It was, you know, it was a really good, good second-half performance, and that's two valuable points from two difficult games in, in my eyes. Um, I guess we'll get on to the Birmingham game, but you know, I think everybody, I can't believe there isn't a town fan who would have taken a point before kickoff against Cardiff. I can't believe that, but I think it shows that we came away probably thinking it was two points dropped, which shows what a good performance it was all round, really. Sonogo for me was a big, big difference. I thought it was a real handful. Flint really struggled against him and there was one point towards the end of the first half, I think he lashed out in the end. Bakuna, I thought, was, was stupid there raising a hand. That could have easily been a red for me. 
Yeah, overall, really dogged, determined performance. Defended resolutely against the corners. We need to work on our corners, though. Our corners are absolutely diabolical. I don't know why Bakuna, we insist on having Bakuna take the corners, mix it up a little bit, because it can't be much worse. We have pretty much zero threat from corners. Three guilt-edge chances. Penalty, I, I really felt sorry for Sonogo because I didn't think he really put a foot wrong um, before that penalty. And, and he showed the you know the courage to step up there. So I'm, I'm not really going to have a go at anybody that, that misses a penalty because there's a lot of others that would have backed away from that um, with us missing two, especially before. So really good, really good um, show from Sonogo. Peeper, I think he does. He just takes a touch too much on his chance. I think if he if he shoots after the first touch that goes in, I think he just takes an extra touch and the keeper allows the keeper to narrow the angle. But it is a good save from the keeper in fairness. And then Campbell frustrates me because I get a really good finish against Birmingham, which I, I think was probably a harder chance. And yet this chance blazes over. But at the end of the day, look, it's, it's a point gained for me against a very, very good Cardiff sider on a great run of form. It's another step in the right direction. Do I think we'll stay up? Um, and am I worried about, about getting naked? Uh, I'm not ordering a backsack and crack wax just yet, guys. I think there's still a long way to go. We've picked up seven points at the end of the day out of the last 12 games, and we've got 11 games to go. And I'm not sure that seven points will be good enough. So I think there is a point where we're going to have to pick up three points somewhere. Um, but then we do have Rotherham um, coming up at home which we've got to target um, and commentary. So there, there is chances. And, and, and this is a step in the right direction for me. Um, and it, and it's, a, it's a solid foundation to build on, a clean sheet. Um, and if, if, we get, if we stick with this three at the back, <clears throat> I think that that's, that's the best way to go away. Because QPR is a tough game as well coming up. They're, they're on decent run of form um, at the moment. I think they've got five wins out of the last eight. So it's, it's a tough game there. Stick playing the way we're doing, and I think we've got a chance of going there and getting a result. And then look over the uh, the three games, and you know potentially five points. Not not too bad. Onwards and upwards, hopefully. Yeah, uh, looking ahead of Friday after Tuesday's result and performance, I was kind of scared of Friday's game um, because I think we're quite. Um, I'd say we're one of the nicest teams in the league in the fact that we don't really bully teams enough. I, I, I don't think we're getting people's faces enough. Um, and that's what Cardiff are all about. Um, so I, I was scared um, going into Friday's game. Looked at the team selection and I thought it, it was interesting. You know, having two strikers in Campbell and Snowgo, uh, two strikers who like to bully defenders. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting and I, and I thought they worked well together. Um, I think it was the right decision dropping Holmes. Obviously, he had a good game against Swansea, but I think against Preston and, and Birmingham, he didn't really do quite a lot. So I think it was right to drop Holmes. Um, and yeah, overall, uh, looking after the game, during the game, I'll kind of uh, saying, uh, you know, we need to kind of be taking our chances. But looking after the game, I think it's a good point. And going into QPR, I, th I think we can go in with confidence. I'd go with the same team again, barring if we get any injuries back, which I don't think we are going to. I'd go with the same team again um, and try do something on QPR because I think they have a team that can easily get exposed at the back. Can I ask you a question to you all? Do, do you think... That, and I want to. I think consensus is Cardiff very, very positive. Do you think Carlos learned quite a bit from midweek game against Birmingham? Because it seemed that to me. Because the Birmingham game, there was just still some kind of naivety 
within the performance. And watching that Cardiff game against, you know, it was Mick McCarthy's thousandth game in, in football, uh, manager, his managerial career. We seemed a little bit more tactically astute, and it, and it just is he finally learning to adapt how he wants to play to a the playing squad that he has and b his opposition in the championship because we have been very I don't want to say stuck in the same gear all season but there is there's been not enough adaptation to the way we play football. Well, I think. I wouldn't say thoroughly. I don't think he's thoroughly there yet. In the, I think we still had some square pegs in round holes. Um, the experiment of putting people on the left flank hasn't really worked. I guess that the wisdom behind that was that he would cut in, um, but he's better when he's terrorising the fullback in the uh, in, in the wide areas. And so that's still something that needs to be remedied. And uh, and also, you know, we've seen very clearly that three at the back doesn't always work, and and, and that's where we're strongest. Three five two, I think, is I think you'd be hard pushed to argue that that is not our strongest formation, but we saw against Derby how that doesn't work. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see against QBR um, us go perhaps four at the back and, you know, against their, against their um, three, four, one, two that we go with. Um, and so, OK, we've got one facet of it that I think is, is more or less solidified now, and that will only be helped when you get players back like uh, Rolando Aaron's, hopefully Harry Toffolo, etc. Um, but for what he's got, I think he's started to find a good mould. But there's certainly, there's certainly more work to be done. Um, I'm... I'm I'm, un, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to, to jump straight in and say that he's managed to, to fit his system to, to what we've got um, just yet. OK, it's no secret that his philosophy is probably best suited to players who are technically more able than, than most of our squad. Um, it's going in the right direction, though. And I think the difference between Birmingham and, and Cardiff games, I thought actually Birmingham was more positive than we've seen in, in a lot of recent weeks. But then we saw that we were dogged by this, this, the same poor game management when we conceded the lead straight after it was a, a, a calamity of a, of a corner that we uh, that we conceded from um but yeah at Cardiff we looked a lot more resolute we held our shape well in both games but I thought in, against Cardiff we execute, executed the game plan throughout 90 minutes there was no um, real slip-ups it was only individual errors that you can't really account for in formation and that lies with the players so for me he's definitely getting there now and if we do see Carlos Corberan as head coach would still turn into the new season I'd like 3-5-2 to be you know be well, an enhanced three-five-two with players more suited to it, perhaps, and more technically able to um, to allow for his um, his system to prosper. I'd, I'd like to see that be the backbone of our of our shape. He certainly, for me, got that right, but I think more has to be done in games where we're suited to a back four. I think it, it's the start of realization for Carlos that we're in a relegation battle. I think he changed the shape and changed the way we played because he knew he had to get something from a game and and uh, and he was banging his head on a wall with the results in the previous six, eight, ten matches. You know, on, on, and with you, Calvin, the Birmingham game, um, I thought a draw was probably the right result. But it felt like a fair result in the end. You know, we did our usual, which is we scored a goal of the highest quality and then gave away a goal of the lowest quality. Okay, how many times have I said that? Um, you know, and I thought Schofield looked really wobbly in Birmingham. I, you know, pinpointed him. Um, it was interesting. I was saying to, I was swapping texts with my son, and I think the last ten minutes, Town actually showed a bit of a rally in the, the Birmingham game. We actually had a bit of pressure and a few corners, and it's the kind of game where I think the crowd in the ground really would have made a difference. I think that's a game we could have won. You know, with the, with with the fans in, you know, the noise behind them. I think it's a game we could have gone on to win. But you know, I'm I'm pleased about the last two games. I was calling for 4-4-2 and was much derided last week. Um, 
but that's where we've ended up. You know, we've ended up with two strikers. I know Campbell wasn't playing really right alongside Sunogo, but we, you know, we looked like a team that was playing to a plan. You know, I recall the, the comment that Lee Bromby made on iFollow about Luton, their football quote being simple. And I think that's what we've done over the last two games. I think we've just made it simple. You know, we tried to isolate the weaknesses of the opposition and we've tried to combat the strengths of the opposition. It's what a good manager does. Carlos seemed to be obsessed with, we'll play how we want to play. And, you know, that will be good enough to win us a game. So, you know, kudos to, to Carlos. I, listen, one swallow doesn't make a summer. I'm not getting too excited. We're still second bottom of the form table and we've got some tough games still coming up. What's interesting, actually, you know, QPR, I think I, you just said, Nick, they won five out of eight or something. They're actually only two places above us in the table, which I was really surprised at. So, you know, QPR, then we've got the massive and then, and then we've got, I think, Brentford and then we've got Rotherham. So, you know, four big games coming up now, but off the back of Birmingham and 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 Cardiff, I think the town, you know, the town players can go into that with some confidence. They should pick some points up. It looks like he's stripped it back to basics, doesn't he? I think obviously they've had a meeting and everybody's had the say, and it's been decided to let the players do what they do best and and stop persisting with this beautiful Barcelona S passing it out from the back and, and prattling about and just, just get it cleared. And I think it's paying dividends. I think it's ironic that we're kind of, you know, people were slating the cowards to that style of football. And, you know, we've moved away from that to bring this guy in to play this amazing, attractive football. And yet going back to the Cowley-esque way of playing, we'll probably say that season. Um, and it, and it, I, I suspect that it'll show Phil that the limitations of the, of the squad we've got at the moment and hopefully over the summer, we can add a bit of quality, a bit more cutting edge. I mean, I say the same every week about cutting edge. You know, we, our, our XG was 1.92, which is pretty high for us against Cardiff, but the keepers made one save and, it, and it's not enough. Um, we, we, we need to have more shots on target. Um, th there's no good at dominating possession when you're doing nothing with it. So it's certainly, it's better, but there's, there's still things that we need to work on. Um, I agree with 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 this change. I think it's the only way that we're going to pick up enough points. If we are going to pick up enough points to stay up, we can't be conceding one, two, three goals a game and expect to stay up. So if we can build from a solid defensive foundation, I, I think he needs to stick with this formation personally. Um, I agree at Derby it didn't work, but again, I thought we, you know, we gave away soft goals. The second goal was just was diabolical, just cut straight through, and I think. The big change that I've seen is that we're not as willing to just bomb everybody forward, just throw Nabisar up there and just leave massive holes at the back. We seem to be a bit more reluctant to just charge forward at the back. Damo, I'll let you come in. How was Birmingham for you? <laughs> to be honest, I didn't like it at all. I, 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 I thought that we were too scared to get at Birmingham a lot. Um, and I think it was a case of that the players didn't want to lose rather than win. Um, which, you know, Campbell's goal, yeah, fair play, it's a good finish, but it's fallen nicely for him, hasn't it? Um, and, yeah, it, it just weren't a performance that, that I were happy with. It weren't a performance that I enjoyed. Um, but, you know, I, I think 45 points will probably see us safe um, because I can't see Wickham getting 45. Uh, and then you're asking Wednesday Rotherham, Coventry to try and get to 45 as well. I don't think two of those teams will. Um, so I think we need, is it around 
seven points now from the next 12 games to stay up, I think, might be enough. I don't know. It's usually that that point totally you in for, isn't it? Um, but yeah, uh, Birmingham, yeah, not a performance I enjoyed at all. Is it a case of, you know, when we're watching it at home, we want to see a little bit more uh, application and we're in the ground because we can get... And I do realise I'm trying to link this into, you know, potentially being in a stadium in the summer, um, well, August time. But, you know, it was an argument I had with someone the other day saying, oh, you expect too much as a fan at home because you can you can actually see more of the foibles that you wouldn't normally see if you stood there in the ground. Because when I was watching it and I was like, ah, oh, there's, there's a little bit more of an application to ourselves. Yes, Ryan Schofield, an absolute stinker. Um, and, and I think, you know, to be fair, the criticism he took in his, his interview midweek was, I think he realised that, you know, it was fair cop. You know, I think there were a lot of people trying, uh, there was some leading questions in that press conference. But it, the way I see see the Birmingham game was, you know, Gaza said it had been stripped back to basics, etc. But it seemed to be like fans started to realise that you, when you're watching games at home, it's watching it in a different way, if you, if you get me. Or maybe I'm just talking bollocks. I think you. I think you are right, Greg. So I don't think you think you don't quite get caught up in, in in quite the same way. And also, I think it does make a big difference when you have a when you have a commentator taking you through things. If you notice things you perhaps wouldn't have, you have things explained. If you have a good summariser too, and you can't discount all of that. Um, so no, I, I think I think you're right. And also, like when you know, if you stood stood behind like we are, Greg, behind the behind the goal, you don't always uh, you don't always see the game. <laughs> You know, open up in the same way as you might do if you're watching from a neutral perspective. And so, yeah, I guess, I, I guess, really allows us literally to sit back and and, and take stock of, of of the bigger picture. Um, but you know, no matter how you dress it up, that Birmingham game was, was a tough watch. Whether you're watching it as a really a best of fan of the terraces or in the commentary box or at home, um, it was not one that lived long memory. You know, I, I was there, and it was five days ago as we record this, and I'm. Still struggling to remember large swathes of it without the highlights in front of me, if I'm honest. Uh, and, and let's face it, there were very few of those. Um, but no, I've I, I found that as well. I find that I watch town in a different way now, particularly. Uh, yeah, especially, I think, not getting wrapped up in the emotion of things. I think that can be a good thing, having the fans on the terraces, because, yeah, you've just got... We've all been there the last 15 minutes where, where where the buzz seems to buoy the players a little bit. And you never quite know. I think I need a, we need a sports psychologist in this programme to tell us what the actual difference is. Um, but as a fan, you always want to think you can be that, uh, that, that, always the twelfth man, and, and make the difference. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, I think, I think, I hope that this is now leading to greater reflection on the part of town fans at how we are actually playing as a side. Um, I think also a greater appreciation for the for the tactics that are on show. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely think there's there's been a shift in in, in how games are received. I've, I've certainly noticed too. So in, in answer to your question, Greg, no, I don't think you're quite talking shit on that one. Nice to know. Gaz was tutting, so I thought he was going to tell me, "All right, I'm talking bollocks again." No, no, no. no. <laughs> no, I was just I was just thinking about the you know the the vitriol the Cowley's got around their style of play. And the fact that obviously towards their end of the tenure, we were unable to watch it live and in real time. Um, you know, I mean, the West Brom game. You can imagine how the stadium would have been after we, you know, after we beat West Brom that night. Uh, and it's just prompting me to ask the question. You know, if, if we've come to the or if Carlos has come to the conclusion we need to play this way to see our way to safety, what was the point of getting rid of the Cowleys in the first place? And, and I, I, I don't know if it's a question or a statement. I don't know what it is. You know, I, what's everybody else's view on that? You know, is is the view that we've just come completely full circle now? 
and we're back to where we were at this time last year, which is we've got to play tight, pragmatic, potentially boring, like the Birmingham game football, to just, just tally up the points in a gentle way to see us safe. Well, you know my views on that. We should have got rid of the Cowboys. I'm a fanboy. Um, I think Damon said it quite well. We only need 45 points, potentially. The championship this season is crap. And and it is a COVID season and a recruitment in the summer for lots of teams who need to sort out the problems hasn't been there. You know, look at someone like Wickham. They've done really well, but that squad, let's let's be quite honest, is, is not good enough for this level. And that's why they are where they are. And I do realise the results against Huddersfield Town might suggest otherwise, but that's because of our own um, shitness, if I'm being honest. It, it, you know, you look at a number of teams, we're, we're on a dreadful run of form and we're still 18th on, on a better goal difference than Derby and, and Coventry. And, you know, Chef Wednesday have lost the last five. Um, you know, they're down. I can't see, I can't see them getting 10 points on uh, the, the three teams I just mentioned there. It's, it's a strange, strange year. And, it, you know, there, there are a couple of teams going through a few runs. But yeah, I think this season, I think we know that Phil was, as you kind of brought Carlos in, I think it's an experiment. I don't think it's a good experiment at the minute. Um, but perhaps it's not a bad time to have an experiment because if we have just got enough to keep our head above water, which isn't what any of us on this call want, and I don't think anyone would, once at the club but if we're in this position this time next season when you assume that you're going to have a proper uh, pre-season you're going to have a proper transfer window and you're potentially going to have 10, up to 10,000 fans in stadiums I think it's going to be a completely different kettle of fish because you know we've talked about on this podcast about how and, it, and it, it, it's also evident across the leagues how many away teams are winning but once you get home fans back in, it's going to, and a significant amount, a couple of thousand maybe at the start, it's going to play its part. So I I, I don't think we should have got rid of the Cowboys. I think they would have done a hell of a lot better with this squad. But then again, I don't think they would have accepted this squad, which is another argument altogether. And I, I'm going to say, um, I think the difference between the Cowboys and Carlos Corbran is that Carlos is a massive yes man, whereas obviously... The Cowboys wanted full uh, in charge of transfers, wanted to be in charge basically of, of, of the whole team in terms of everything that's going in and out of the club. Whereas Carlos is just a, oh yeah, we're going to get rid of the Carby for you for 400k. Okay, and we're going to bring in Richard Keogh, who's probably all right for this level, but not good enough for us. I mean, you need to work your magic on him. Yes, okay. Um, so, and that's that's what the club wanted. It worked under Wagner. Um, it didn't work under Siever for obvious reasons. Um, but it, it worked under Wagner in being a head coach and then making the transfers, but the team behind the scenes now in terms of the, the, the recruitment um, isn't the same and it's definitely not better. Um, I, I think the um, medical side of it in terms of the, the fitness coaches, um, obviously John, John Iger's gone, um, who I thought was excellent and, and we hardly had any, any sort of injuries under John Iger and you look now at, at, the, at the, the medical team now and whether it's down to Corberant's uh, training methods or whatever, but we just seem to be getting so many injuries now which, which I, I don't understand. It, it might be due to playing so many games in a short period of time. Um, but 
that's the championship and it's, it's not really changed that much. We're used to playing Saturday, Tuesday all the time in the championship. Um, so is that down to down to Carlos's training methods? Is it down to the, the, med, the medical staff behind the scenes? Um, but I, I, I was going to ask, um, say, for example, if, if we have a crap next 11, 12 games, we end up going down. Would you prefer a season in League One and, and actually rebuilding and starting to win again and get that winning feeling back? Or would you want us to stay up and just have another season of this? I mean, that's a that's a, a big question, isn't it? And I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people, it's tailed off, thankfully, in the last few weeks. A lot of people um, eulogising the drop to League One and, and that fairy tale, you know, winning again. And it, but it's a, it's it's the, a question that needs to be asked because that's been said a lot in the fan base. I am like wholeheartedly against the drop by by whatever means because yeah, of course, I'd love to see Huddersfield Town win every week, um, but then I don't want to see us drop into the Conference North, you know. Um, and and there's no shakes. I know that Damo is involved with Brighouse Town, etc. And I know um, there's a lot to be said in non-league football, but I don't want to see Huddersfield Town, given where they've been, uh, drop any further than they already have. Um, so for me, no, I think that the most important thing is to stay in the division. And, and, and like Greg said, look, I I don't think Cowley's should have left either. Um, if you look at this season as a whole, then I guess you could say, OK, it's the experiment that no one wanted, us just scraping a living and, and barely staying in the division. I guess it has worked in that sense, given that I think that we're spot on 45 points this season. I reckon will be enough. I think Derby are going to get stuck back in now because of their, their game in hand is against Barnsley. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's five teams really going for that last relegation spot. Um, so I, I think personally, with 11 games to go, we will do enough, especially destinies in our own hands, because... Um, we're playing a lot of teams below us. We're still going to face Coventry, haven't we? Rather than still um, Wednesday, still to play. So, but for me, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a case of, of of restarting again from next season. But that's when the experiment's going to is going to run out. You know, we, you've not got a clean slate. We've got to carry on uh, into next year. And what I don't want to see is we survive this season to absolutely panic next year and, and never quite get out the bottom three. We need a major, major, major overhaul. And so, okay stuck by the club, haven't we, in, in his numbers and throughout hard times and some terrible football this season to stay in the division. We want to see that faith repaired now. Um, I definitely, definitely don't want to see the Rocks League one. And also, also, I think on the part of town fans, um, you know, those who are looking for a return to League One, it's quite happy, it's quite easy to look back with rose-tinted specs at the time we spent in, in League One, the fact we didn't lose for 11 months, you know, we put some pastings past teams. Um, but it's a different, it's a different, it's a different landscape now. You know, it, it is, and, and with and with the salary cap that's been there, it's it's not like let's not forget we were richer than a lot of teams that level when we came up last time. It's not uh, cut and dry that you get out of that league. Look at Sunderland. You know, anyone with a Netflix subscription has seen how much they've struggled to get out of that division. Um, I really think we're overestimating our ability to to fight out of that again. And there's no guarantee that we'd win at that level. Um, so for me, you no, know, it's all it's all about it's all about staying in the division, which I think we will do. Um, but yeah, is, is Carlos the man for next season? Well, we'll back, we'll back to this question again. Um, he has to, again, he has to be back. I can't believe I'm saying this for a third successive transfer window now, but we've got to, um, this season, back him to turn things around because if he doesn't have those players that can make his philosophy achievable um, and, and, and given that given that system that he can say, OK, this is how we play, it's good enough to beat teams, then that's what's going to happen. We're going to find ourselves in the same um, rut that we're going to be in at the end of this season. Um, I think we'll stay up, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think we've got enough now um, on the board and I think this team's in worse position than us. Um, but yeah, the, the worrying thing for me, though, is is is, is, is continuation in the next season because it's not like it goes back to refresh. We've got to carry on with this um, more or less the same squad. We've got to add to it. Um, and we've still got to have to answer the same questions from August the 1st as we will be at the end of the season, right? 
just shows how fucking desperate that some fans are to see victory that we're they're hoping we get relegated just so we can see a few wins in a row. You know, is that is that all it's come to? Because it would be a disaster if we go down. We aren't coming back up again. You know, we said we said this for Prem. If we get relegated, oh, we'll be all right. We'll be able to build and uh, and then push on to to try and get back up there. But it doesn't it doesn't always work like that. You know, we would lose pretty much all of our best players. I'm certain if we if we were to get relegated, and then you've got to get the group going again, trying to play that style of football in League One against some of them teams. You can forget it because we'll just barge them straight off the ball. It, it's a very very tough league. It's a good quality league, and it and it is a sod to get out of that league. You know, you, you're right, Cam Sunderland. Look at Ipswich, you know Peterborough, always up there but never quite make it. There's, there's teams that that really, really struggle to get out, and and I think if we went down, um, we we would really struggle to come back up again. So we need to try and stay in this league if we can. Do I trust the the setup to be able to to push us on? Do I think we'll be in the same situation again next season? Uh, I don't trust the recruitment team as far as I can throw them. And yes, I think we will be in this situation this this time next season. Um, I don't think we should have got rid of the Cowleys. I think they're a brilliant management team and, and you just know for a fact they're going to go somewhere and take a team to the Premier League. I don't know who, but it, I, I, you, can, you can guarantee that that's going to happen. And I think they embodied everything that you know, where about as a club, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, working class club, playing good, honest football as a team, united. And I thought the Cowleys brought exactly that. And then we've kind of, we've moved away from that to this, you know, really good, attractive football, supposedly. But if you, if we can't afford the players to deliver it, it's pointless. You, the, the man, Carlos is not a miracle worker. So I and I, I have no confidence in this recruitment team to be able to get the players necessary. I think Damo, I think you're spot on. I think the Cowleys wanted the say over the players they brought in, and rightly so. You know, you, you're trying to implement your own style, and yet you don't have the say over the players that you're bringing in to try and play it for you. So, so how is that a recipe for success? It it, it doesn't work for me. I don't I don't like this uh, system of recruitment. I think that that. The manager has to have more of a say in the kind of players that's that's been brought in, um, or at least presented as options, and that that's what worries me moving forward. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I agree. I think we, we should have stuck with the Cowleys, but I think it was you know it was a power thing, um, and it always comes back to the same thing, doesn't it? Finances, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm not. I'm, although it was a, it's been painted as a power thing. It was ultimately about money because it was cheaper to get rid of the Cowleys than it was to get rid of the Dross. Um, you know, in terms of what it cost him in the short term. And I, you know, what will be interesting. I think we'll stop up. I still think we'll get enough to stop up. The league is that poor. I think we'll stop up. Um, is the effect that this changing style and changing the philosophy is going to have potentially on next season? Either way, so we stop up. Is what's happening now inspiring people to renew a season card? Um, you know, this is a question that that I was swapping text with my son, and he, you know, his question was: so, if we went down to League One, actually, would the potential uh, chance of visiting new places, new places, those of us have been around most for Martin, you know, I've been to most of many times, but to some people, there'd be new places, and also the chance of seeing some, you know, some goals and some and, and some wins. Would that incentivise people to renew a season card more in League One than it would in the Championship, where you're going to see a struggling side who, you know, is going to be this time next year? Let's be honest, if we stop up, barring a miracle, we're going to be having the same conversations. It's going to be rinse and repeat. Uh, 
So what, what do you think, guys? Do you think do you think a relegation would actually potentially bolster season card sales, or do you think it'll have a, a think it'll have a massive negative effect? Because what's happening now, that ain't a great advert to drive sales for next season either way, is it? Well, remember, mate, they're going to be raised, aren't they? You know, the um, everybody that got a season ticket have got a price freeze that, that they promised for three seasons. But for every bugger else, unfortunately, the the, the price of the tickets are going to they're going to have to put them up now from what they've said. So we, we could get relegated into League One and they're charging more for season tickets. So I, I, I think they're, they're really going to struggle personally, if, if I'm being honest. There's no, you know, you wouldn't say there's any attractive teams in there to draw the crowds in. Um, you know, maybe Sunderland, but there's not really, you know, the idea of, of playing teams like your Peterboroughs and et cetera, are they going to get the pulse racing? Um, so I, I think there's going to be real problems regardless of what league we're in selling tickets, if I'm, if I'm being honest. And I think a lot of fans will be waiting to see what happens over the summer in terms of recruitment. They're going to look to see what league we're in, but they're going to look to see what players we get before making a decision. Um, I mean, I, I, I asked a question on, on Twitter. I don't know if it's if it's right question to ask at this time, but now we know fans are going to be allowed back in. Do, do we should we do more as a football club to to actually provide a, a match day experience for fans? Because it's very much and I, and this isn't specific to town really, but football in general. It's kind of the, the doors open to the ground an hour before the game. Roughly, you go in, get a couple of pints, and then as soon as the game's over, it's right. You know, kick you straight out, bugger off. You know, can we can we do more as a football club to provide a longer match day experience? Uh, having you know set up in one of the car parks, local food carts, having local bands on, having local artists play play music on on the pitch, have the the stadium open earlier, make it a you know a proper family full day experience like they do for um, American football. You know, college football, not even professionally, they, they make it a full day. So even if the even if the actual football's rubbish, you know, the actual full experience, it draws more people in and you sell more merchandise, you know, you take a cut of the of the food uh, and drink that's sold. You could have a big screen up outside showing the, the early football game on Sky. Um, you could do all sorts as part of the match day experience, but we just don't seem to do that. It seems to be right. People will come in like after get a few pints. You know, and then bugger straight off at, at end of you know final whistle, and it's so hard to generate and to build an atmosphere when it's basically in and out. And I don't know, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but I think that's something we could really do more to to engage the fans and, and make it a full day experience rather than just a couple of hours of a rubbish football. And maybe that'll help attract some more people in and support some of the local businesses and connect with them more as well. Well, they've yeah. they've kind of partially done that before with. Um, was it the fan zone that, that used to be at Canal Side that now is at where um, the driving range used to be but there's something very Brian Potter's Big Pink Paradise about it it's um, <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's not been well laid out I think I, I remember writing when I used to do a bit of writing for websites eight years seven eight years ago like this when I was at uni I remember writing the same thing because um, especially when town scrapped student tickets, but for me it would be thirty quid a game to to come watch football, and it wasn't worth me actually paying that money to watch a game of football. I'd much rather um, spend thirty quid on just getting pissed on a Friday night. For being honest, because I got more entertainment out of that. You're right. Could we do something more? 
you know, but I don't see the weekend getting on our pitch at half time doing it, or even little bits because you know the the outrage would be fucking sky high, wouldn't it? But uh, you, you raise a really good point because for some people, um, football isn't just three o'clock till four 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 fifty on a on a Saturday every week, is it? it it's it's you know, Gareth going with his son, um, he's going with your friends, going with your family. And you, what what the club want is more spending at Huddersfield Town Football Club. You know, what do I do drinking before and after the game? It's not spent at Huddersfield Town Football Club. Even during the game, I'm not paying like, £3.30 for a bottle of Bulmers in a plastic cup, you know, and a tiny bottle like that. I'm spending £2.50 at the Vulcan for a proper pint um, of proper real ale. So, yeah, you're right, Nick. You know, there is an opportunity to reset how we look at football. Um, they certainly were, well, I didn't, I didn't expect the debate that we'll be having today, to be quite honest. But you make it, you make an amazing, amazing point there, and I think, I think the majority of people here would agree. I think that's a again a really astute point, and, and and I quite 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 similarly. I didn't think we'd be talking about this, but it's the perfect time to because we're coming to the end of this campaign now, and you know, if if, if the club are taking heed of, of what's been said on. Um, on fan podcast this is probably the, the one thing I'd, I'd want us to take into next season no matter what division we are in because it used to be a great match day experience um, for me when I was say a teenager uh, then I discovered alcohol and it was a little bit different because I'm, I'm like Greg I'd, I'd spend most of me out the hours I'd probably go down 11 o'clock and spend a few hours before the game in town um, just because that was where most fans were though and if most fans were down towards the game um, then, then yeah I'd be inclined to do that I'd like to feel that, that community spirit again uh, one thing I felt though after we went into the Premier League, and I don't know if this is because of, this is a byproduct of us going up to that level, etc., and, and whether it just wasn't the done thing. But we used to have so much entertainment on during, like during the game, halftime, etc. I used to love, like you know, pasting some Yeovil fan for coming on and doing twenty laps of the the broom for the dizzy penalty and stuff like that. Uh, it's small things like that. It just meant there was a bit of a connect, and it always felt a bit dead at halftime. Right, and that's just one you know, small observation. But yeah, every single one of those ideas, and I guess, you know, you someone qualified look at these practically and, and gauge which ones are actually doable and viable. But, um, you know, the, the idea of food stands, of having beers, et cetera, music, whatever, just people stuff that gets people milling around the ground again and gets that feeling back. Because I think this year, more than ever, coming up, people will be up for it. People want to feel part of it again now. So yeah, this is the time to start discussing it, really. Um, and then, you know, that, that that can also, it can it can alleviate what goes on on the pitch, you know what I mean? You've got that positive spin uh, around the place and people want to be part of it, don't they? So, yeah, for me, that's a, a point and everyone is just talking about, but it's huge, it's hugely important if you want to get the fans that are back down there um, to come again. Because, yeah, it's not a 90-minute thing. It, it really isn't, is it? And especially after this year where we, we fully missed it all ourselves too. Um, so yeah, I think that the, the the appetite is certainly there for it now. This is a huge opportunity for the club to capitalise. Yeah, I think um, it's a it, it's a massive change. I remember Canal side, you know, the year before we got promoted, the year we got promoted, the first year in the Premier League, you know, you could go down to Canal side for your dinner, and, and you could see like Naki Wells just walking through and they'd come say hello to you. You know, that's the kind of things that we're missing. Whereas now Canal side, it's like a massive private place that you can't go. They've got a massive gate reach up front of the place. So it's like you can't get in without like a badge or or if not if not part of the club you, you can't get in and, and that's what you miss because there they had like Pax Burger you'd have all, all your local breweries down um and it, you'd have, have the big screen you'd watch the first game there if you want to and then you'd go to game but like 
mine's changed, and I think it's what I've missed more than the football, to be honest with you, is it, the social interaction before and after a game. You know, um, I, I got to, to gas club me, um, because that, that's where kind of all, all my mates go. And, it, and it's just a place where, where you go um, for 12 o'clock, half past 12, have a few beers, a bite to eat, um, go to ground for half past two, have one what one beer there because you're not paying four pound forty for a beer all the time. You have one at concourse and then watch the game, and afterwards you go back into town and have a few, and then you probably end up staying out the night and going to Camel Club. Um, but that's what that's what I miss about football is a kind of all that interaction more than anything. And I think the club do need to do more because, like like you say, they used to do half-time dizzy penalties. They used to have people in in those massive bubbles running around pitch doing laps. They used to have all sorts going on. Whereas now it's just town fans chanting to subs because they've got no more entertainment. Um, so yeah it's a massive thing they need to bring back um, and I think it would get more families down as well they used to have penalties outside the uh, fantastic media stand and they had face painting which I think that's all kind of been abolished now as well um, so yeah it all needs to come back just to create a better match day atmosphere be interesting to see what can can and can't be done with Covid restrictions though um, I think because they're still going to be in next season but Definitely what Nick's seen, especially on the pitch, half-time, before the game. Um, so Certainly, there's something that can be looked into there. And, and Town did that under Dean Oil. Um, what, what, used to, was it, what used to be Johnny's up in, was it Bar Eden or something, up in, uh, up in town? Um, that, that got turned into the official town uh, pub for a while. I think the gas pub then got turned into, they were looking at potentially utilising a gas pub. So, yeah. There's loads of stuff that could be done. It, it's, um, do you know what? It's something that we need to go away with, I think, Nick. We'll, we'll, we'll come back with a lot more ideas, a bit of homework for everyone. But the thing is, Greg, you know, that this is why the club needs to try and engage more two way dialogue. You know, the old, the ATT panel, which allegedly they were going to start inviting some fans groups people on, um, but it appears to still be the people that are handpicked by the club that attend it. You know, this is what should be being discussed, ways to develop the community links and ways to improve the communication. You know, I, I've just, while you've been talking, Nick, I've just tried to find the minutes from last ATT and the one I can find is is quite old, you know. And, and they're talking about, you know, they're not discussing catering, but it needs to be noted the pies aren't very good. I mean, is that is that the quality of the content of the discussion in these meetings? You know, whilst I understand that the ATT is meant to hold the club to account on some of these things, and and there are important things in there like the club stadium shares, actually you can't just and you know I said I've sat on a lot of similar panels through through employment. You can't just talk about operational things. You've got to think about the vision and you've got to think about your direction of travel as a business in that case or as a football club in this case. So you know the the, the club need to listen. There's, there's you know, I'm, you know, there's people like Nick who've got good ideas out there. But how do they, how do you share that? How do, what's the conduit for an idea like that of Nick's to get that into the club? Because I can't see one at the moment. Yeah, I don't know, mate. I mean, I hope someone listens to this. Um, but it just, it's just, it just helps everyone, doesn't it? You know, it, it helps bring local businesses in. It helps support them. The club takes a bit of a cut as well. You can have family entertainments for, for kids. You can have designated like little beer gardens set up. I know we don't. Have- amounts of space and it and it can be difficult with covid but it is doable there are other you know sporting events and stadiums that, that do it and is successful and you know it's all right saying well we don't want to have loads of big crowds of people drinking in case it kicks off but what do they think they do in town before they walk down it, it's no different um you know and it's so much easier and better 
to generate an atmosphere when you've got people in that environment around the stadium and in the stadium, you get them in early, open it up early. Yeah, it costs a bit more to open it early. But once you've got those people inside, they're spending money. So, you know, what you lose on opening the ground early and, and extra hours of staffing, you gain on your merchandise sales. You can have loads of little merchandise stalls set up outside stadium and you can sell, you know, more drinks, more food, um, get more entertainment on the pitch pre-match. And I agree about the, the half-time. I think we, we need to have better entertainment half-time as well. And then after the, the game, you can have those designated areas outside again. So there's still potential to make some money after the game and people can stand around and have a chat about the game, like what we're doing now. Because that's what people miss at the end of the day. Like I, do, I don't go for the for the football entertainment because most of the time it's rubbish. I go for the, for the experience. Um, so I, do, I hope they do listen to this. And I think you're right, mate. I think there needs to be a, a better way of channeling ideas, getting them to the club. But I don't, I don't know how we can do that, really. Well, you'd hope that they'd employ people who can think about those ideas. But as is evident in, in a lot of jobs, that rarely, rarely happens. Or if it does happen, there are so many blockers in the way. I, again, I think it was Man City, probably the best, and I, and I realise it's a Premier League budget, and probably the biggest budget in the world. But Man City have a fantastic kind of match day experience before and after a, a game with proper presenters, interviews, etc. Um, I went to a City game. Diddy Arman was getting interviewed by on on kind of like a, a, a built stage with all the fans milling around drinking and eating before the game. Now it's not going to be like that because we are not Man City and we don't have Sport City, which is an absolute massive brownfield site which Man City all own because we're not owned by Sheikh whoever but there are you know you there are parts of that ground in and around the stadium which are closed off to cars where you could easily do it and, and you're right you know we're all we're all worrying about like, like David said people there are fans who want to go down to to League One because they want to see exciting football but sometimes it isn't just about the football it's going with your friends, going with your family, and enjoying the day. Before COVID, you know, we, if there was an evening kickoff, we'd stay out in town and watch it. Now, if you've got a, a covered, now if the weather's not shit, which again is another thing you have to take into account. But if if it's August, September, even early October, and they've got a big screen round the back of uh, direct golf with a couple of gazebos where you can watch outside. Let's be honest, if it is COVID later this year. It's still going to be about, and um, you know we're, we're still going to probably need some fresh air rather than crammed in a pub. You know, I'd quite happily wear a nice North Face jacket, get my woolly hat on, and have a, a nice beer and an hot dog rather than sitting in a cramped pub with a packet of pork scratchings and a pint of bitter. So yeah, Gaz, you're right. There needs to be a better chain of, I don't want to say chain of command, but a better chain to the club to say. Can you do this? What are you doing about this? ATT, we think, is that. But are the right people asking the right questions? And, you know, obviously, if Nick does run around naked around on this field, that will be a very good source of entertainment for everyone to see. And uh, also probably raise some, some good money for charity, Nick. It won't be good to see, mate. I can, I can tell you <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> right. Well, we've been dragging this on for about an hour. So I just want to touch finally. Huddersfield Town uh, currently sits 18th in the table, 38 points, 35 games, just ahead of Derby and Coventry on 
the old goal difference, three points ahead of Birmingham in 21st, six points ahead of Rotherham in 22nd. We've got three games in hand. I, I would be say that Chef Wednesday, Wickham are probably down. Um, and I think it is, as Cam said earlier, one of five, maybe six if you include Nottingham Forest, who just above us uh, to go down. Final question to you all. We have got a kind of a weird but key period of games coming up for us. So we're, we're, um, we've got a, a, the international break, obviously, after the Chef Wednesday game coming up. But we've got QPR Wednesday, Brentford, Norwich and Rotherham. Two of the two of the top six. But the other three games I've just mentioned there are teams in and around us and, and, and all winnable. I'm not going to do a gas and say, I want seven points or something like that. But... Um, do you think these next three, four, five games are when we're going to find out if we are in a relegation battle or not anymore? Because I think two wins out of that and, and we're probably uh, safe and dry. Oh, I mean, veritable six relegation six-pointers, these aren't they? You know, those are the games that are going to define the season. So if we can... If, I, I do think seven points will be enough now. Um, so a lot, and if those wins come against Wednesday and, and Rotherham, then then perfect. You know, we might not need any more than that. All we need really is to is to is to shore up that third relegation spot. And and, and so for me, yeah, crucially, I'd almost rather that those are the teams we beat because you know that's what it's going to take. We've obviously got Coventry, um, our final home game of the season, haven't we? And I don't want it to come down to that. So if we can get business taken care of before then, uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be much more relaxed going into the end of the season. Well, I, I'm sorry, Greg, but I do want seven points out of those games. I think we're more than capable of taking a point off QPR. Wednesday's game this weekend, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, they're at home to Norwich. So likely is they're going to get another tub in between uh, now and when they play us. So, you know, their confidence is going to be on the floor. Um, I think the key in these games, certainly in the Wednesday game, is going to beat the score first. And I think same with Rotherham. Rotherham show a, a similar trait to us that they play quite well, but then they seem to go behind and struggle to turn the game round. So, yeah, you know, is it five games? Those three games are spread over. It's it's five massive, massive games. And if we could take seven out of five, then we're done and dusted, aren't we? We don't need to worry about anything else. Um, and for me, yeah, the next five games are crucial. Um, but for me as well, like we're saying, we've got Norwich and Brentford who are in the, the top six. The last time we won a game, we beat someone in the top six, which was Swansea. So I don't, I, I don't think it matters uh, who we play at the minute. The next five games, we've just got to get the points on the board. And you say, guys, about scoring first, but that's town's biggest thing is that they score first and then they lose the game. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think it matters if we, uh, if we score first or not. Um, to be fair, I'd, I'd rather we didn't because we end up losing if we do. <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, yeah. Wednesday, Rotherham, Coventry um, need to be in them, or, or at least taking some sort of points. But then if, if we get points off Norwich and, and Brentford, then I'll be happy. I, I can see us beating Brentford at home. I don't know why, because um, there's, there's no logic behind it other than the way that Brentford play. I don't know. I think it'll just open up a bit of space for us. I mean, Wednesday, we, we should be beating Rotherham and Coventry at home, but then we said that against Wickham and uh, and Birmingham. Um, but beat beat them too, and, I, and I, I don't think we'll be far off. I think we'll be all right. QPR, I think we'll get a point. Uh, we, we tend to do all right down there, actually. We, we don't have too bad a record of QPR, to my knowledge. So get a point there. Wednesday, who knows, but even get a point there and then beat Rotherham and, and Coventry, we should be about there. So, But they're big, big games. 
but out they all at this stage of the season. Ah, if only football was as simple as that. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been listening at home. I hope you have an enjoyable week. And if you have been homeschooling, um, freedom. Enjoy yourselves. Um, get drinking at 10 o'clock while you're working from home rather than schooling the kids. Uh, Cam, Gaz, Demo and Nick, thank you very much for your time this Sunday morning. To those who've listened, thank you very much. We shall be back next week and hopefully we'll have three points under our belts. Until next time, goodbye.